Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences podcast. I'm Heather Hoops Matthews with NP Strategy, joined in the studio today with Matthew Roberts and Nexon Pruitt Healthcare Attorney. Matthew, good to be with you. Good to see you. In South Carolina, there's been this tremendous surge of population growth, and it seems like it's putting pressure on healthcare facilities to try and adapt. Is that what you're seeing? It is. It is, particularly in markets near the coast where we have this massive uh, increase in growth. And, and we'll be talking to someone today who's dealing with that on the front lines in one of the most competitive areas and fastest growing areas in the state. It is a fast-growing area if you live down there. And for those of you joining us, uh, we're going to hear today from Kevin Hoke. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Roper St. Francis Healthcare. This is a not-for-profit health system with more than 110 facilities and doctors throughout the Low Country. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, Roper St. Francis Berkeley Hospital championed the need for health care for a full-service hospital in Berkeley County really over a decade ago, and you opened in 2019. But I understand to the point about the growing population that already there is a new strategic plan to double in size over the next four years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it, you know, Berkeley um, was a vision. Um, to, to provide medical care in that community, um, as you said, over a decade ago. Um, it took a long time for it to open. Um, and when it did open in 2019, it uh, was full day one. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a smaller facility um, and it had to be um, downsized a bit because of the amount of funding we had uh, that we put in the plan to the state. Um, and due to the delay, uh, we had to, you know, right size of facility, if you, if you will. And uh, when we opened the doors in 2019, it was busy. And then of course, I think you all are aware of what happened in 2020 and 21 with the pandemic, which has further put stress on the hospital. Um, the population in that region is growing, you know, in double digits year over year. Um, in the Berkeley, Dorchester, Somerville region of uh, the Tri-County. And, uh, so we looked at that and we looked at the needs of the county and the community and we said we need to we need to make this bigger um due to uh the current uh rules um and regulations in the state we could only double the size <laughs> so um we put in an application to double the size of beds to go from 50 to 100 um uh expand um uh, procedural areas um ors uh, areas like that, um, expand imaging, expand the ED, um, and all the ancillary space. And uh, so that was submitted recently um, and it was accepted by DHEC and uh, it's going through the process as we speak. So super excited for that project. Um, hopefully we'll break ground early next year and then uh, you know we'll open uh, a few years later on the expansion. Well, Kevin, thanks for coming on the podcast and thanks for expanding in my home county, Berkeley County. We were Excited to have Roper move in there as the first hospital in 40 years almost uh, in Berkeley County and excited to see the expansion. Um, by the time it gets built, it'll probably need to be expanded as the way things work. But uh, another part of Roper's strategic plan, uh, which was recently in the news and is also uh, a very exciting, is to move the Roper Hospital campus from the Charleston Peninsula to North Charleston. Can you talk a little bit about that vision and that strategic plan? Yeah, you know, for the folks that are familiar with the Charleston market or Charleston in general, um, we are, Charleston is a peninsula. 
um, and ends in, in the Atlantic. And uh, Roper Hospital currently is at pretty much the very tip of the peninsula. Um, it's been there for a number of years. Um, it's had a number of uh, additions um, to the campus, um, reinvestment, uh, and it's a conglomerate of about four to five different buildings over you know decades and decades of work. Uh, when you're on the peninsula, there's a lot of challenges you have to deal with. Um, one of them is available land. Uh, pretty much everyone on the peninsula is landlocked, very similar to um, other cities, um, other metropolitan type cities. And so when we looked at, you know, renovating or uh, a roper, we looked at all our options. So we looked at, do we renovate in place um, or do we move roper to a different location? And um, we vet all the options, um, did a bunch of scenario planning, things of that nature. And quite frankly, um, a lot of stuff just kept on going to moving Roper. You know, the, 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 it was a much more viable option. Um, and, it, and it's a it's a cheaper option and it's a quicker option um, just due to all of the phasing that would be required to do a project like that in a landlocked area. And so um, the other, you know, big driving force for us is one of our um, one of our goals is convenient care to all. Uh, Roper Hospital, um, as we say, was at once the center of Charleston. And I think, you know, anyone who comes to the city now realizes because of the population growth and the sprawling effect that has happened here, that uh, it's no longer the center of Charleston. The center of Charleston has moved up a little bit north on the peninsula. And so um, we're super excited to, you know, have a billion dollar ground up hospital project, one of the largest projects on the, you know, eastern part of the United States, and uh, to expand our services and have a brand new state of the edge hospital in the next few years. There is a lot on your plate, that's for sure, Kevin. Um, living down there and understanding the population growth, it's a blessing and a curse at times. So you, you are having to, you know, rapidly expand, but I suppose it also provides you some opportunities for just optimization footprints, maybe forward thinking on clinical needs, things like that. Tell us a little bit about maybe the positive side of having to grow so fast. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, it's great to have, um, to be in a region that has population that's growing. Um, there's a lot of our, you know, my colleagues that are in other parts of the United States that are fighting the opposite, and that's a tough place to be. Um, so that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to be in a, in a um, part of the country that a lot of folks want to come to, um, a including uh, clinicians, nurses, physicians. They want to come to Charleston. They want to live in Charleston because it's, it's a great place. Um, however, with the growth brings its own challenges, as you mentioned. Um, you know, housing is rather expensive in this region, um, and that's a you know that's a burden as we you know recruit new individuals to meet the you know the growing population. So that's one of the things that um, you know we're trying to figure out what our piece of that equation is for our uh, for our teammates. Um, the other challenge is uh, again for the folks that are may not be familiar with Charleston. Um, there's a lot of bridges and there's a lot of these barriers uh, caused by rivers and, and other things and, and marshes um, that we have to consider when we start talking about things like footprint. Um, you could be five miles away from something, but it doesn't mean it's very easy to get to. And it's not accessible. 
because of, you know, all of, um, uh, of the, the water issues we have here in the low country. And so um, when we look at all the folks um, uh, joining the area and moving to the area and our footprint, we really have to consider all those things. And we try to position everything so it's convenient for them. Um, the hardest part for us um, is trying to find space a lot of times. You know, I anticipated that it was going to take us um, over two years to find space for the new Roper. Um, you know, we're talking about, we were looking for anywhere between uh, minimum 13, but that would have been tight, but somewhere between 13 and 20 acres. Um, and that is not easy to come by, um, especially if you want it to be dry. A lot of people will sell you <laughs> wet land, but we were looking for something a little bit more sustainable and a little bit drier here. Um, and um, we had a lot of pitches and um, luckily we uh, were presented um, with a great partnership with um, Mayor Sumney and the folks in North Charleston that really helped us um, secure the land up there. And so we're super excited about getting that done and only taking a year to find that is quite a feat. Um, the other challenge with the growing population is meeting their need. Um, you know, folks are moving here every day and they have healthcare needs. If it's primary care, cardiologist, you know, orthopedic surgeon, sort of those front door services, there's a consistent growing need. Um, and uh, we're doing our best to try to keep up with that. Um, we try to add, um, you know, multiple uh, 10 to 15 primary care physicians a year, um, but it's hard to recruit them because, uh, you know, not as many are coming out of schools um, as there were in the past. Well, Kevin, Roper St. Francis is an interesting uh, healthcare system. It is a nonprofit, as Heather said at the beginning, but it also is made up of members of Bon Secours Mercy Health and the South Carolina or the Medical Society of South Carolina, which was created in the 1700s, 1789, I believe, which is physician owned and led. Um, so this unique relationship where you have a lot of this physician influence, tell us a little bit about that and about how uh, Roper St. Francis is governed. Yeah, it, the Medical Society was the founding member of our health system. Um, you know, it's been a great asset to Roper St. Francis um, and really defines who we are. Uh, we have physician leadership up and down the organization. Uh, and then uh, similar to other leading institutions, we believe in a dyad structure. So for um, a lot of our key service lines or disease states, we have uh, a physician paired with an administrator that really has the focus on the triple or quadruple aim um, and, and that we deal with every day. So, you know, they're really looking at how do they improve the individual care of that patient, improving the population, reducing the cost, bringing value. Um, and those folks are heavily leaned on in our system from a physician standpoint. We lean on them a lot uh, to help us uh, define where we're going and what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we have about nine, uh, we have nine uh, uh, dyads. Um, nine dyads that lead different service lines throughout our organization. Um, and uh, all of them have been instrumental in uh, our plan and our strategic plan moving forward. That is different. Uh, yeah. regard, oh, I was going to say in regards to, you know, the partnership, um, at, you know, the Medical Society uh, partners with Bon Secours um, bon Mercy Health, as you, as you mentioned, and they took that local Mount Society and the local tradition that we had, and we were able to get some systemness um, 
from uh, Bon Secours Mercy Health, which has been great. So we're able to tap into um, a lot of the economies of scale that they're able to bring to us. Uh, and the most recent one is uh, in the last um, few weeks and months, we've gone live on Epic. Um, and we've changed our EMR from uh, uh, from Cerner to Epic. Uh, and we're, um, we did that under the um, under uh, Bon Secours Mercy and with their assistance and help, um, and uh, it's been a it's it's been a great success, um, and uh, is really a uh, uh, has really been beneficial to the system. So there's things like that that we get to do as um, to benefit from sort of the systemness without being fully engaged in a system and still having the mouth society involved. Right, right. That Charleston region is 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 compact. Let's put it that way. It's compact, and it has existing for highly capitalized healthcare systems. So you are competing in a highly competitive market. What is that like in such a compact area? Yeah, you know, there's 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 four big players in town, as you mentioned. Um, there's eight hospitals in town, if I quickly count. Hopefully I didn't leave anyone off. Um, and uh, it is it is an interesting market. You know, um, one thing I didn't touch upon is our Roper downtown campus is um, surrounded by the medical university. Um, you know, that shows you how how close some of these institutions are. Um, so it is it is pretty uh, it is pretty. Uh, uh, there are a lot of players, and it's pretty competitive. Um, I do go back to there are some geographic challenges that that even though you may see. Uh, hospital across a bridge it's a you know it's across the bridge because there happens to be a bridge in between and that bridge could be shut down for hours um, and so we need people to be able to get care and access um, but um, I think most of the hospitals in the region work very well together um, I think there's good partnership within the hospitals in the region um, I think they're all very well placed and and um, and they all offer a little bit something different um, we continue to look at the growth of the region and and say, you know, what how do, how do we continue to meet that growth? And that's what you know leads us to the expansion of Berkeley or the moving of Roper um, or, you know, looking at our, our St. Francis campus in West Ashley and seeing what's going on in James and John's Island and West Ashley. And how do we need to, uh, you know, uh, modify services there to meet it? But uh, in regards to competition, I think we all sort of have found our our niche, if you will. Right. The entire country is going through a, a physician shortage, and so hospitals are trying to recruit physicians and nurses uh, every day. And as you alluded, alluded to, people do want to move to the low country. Um, but it's still, at the time, post-COVID, you're dealing with provider burnout uh, with physicians and nurses who really got stressed during that period. What's what's the state of the the physician nursing recruiting market in the low country now? You've had all this growth, but it's still we're not producing enough physicians or nurses. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely um, you know on the plus side we do have as I alluded to earlier we do have the people want to move here and that's going for us. However, the cost of living is is expensive with the, some of the real estate, so um, we have seen that be a, a barrier for some folks to make that commitment to move, move to the region. Um, we, uh, 
have had a decent uh, opportunity work, you know, getting folks from the medical university, getting folks from other uh, fellowship programs. We've added a, a number of positions over the last year, um, uh, sort of filling our bucket, if you will, for the folks that have left for various reasons um, after the pandemic. Um, we continue to heavily recruit in positions. Um, I would say that the, the runway has been slightly longer than years past um, because of the shortage. Um, nursing has been a, um, a challenge for the whole country um, and continues to be a challenge here in the low country. Um, we have hired the most nurses, I believe, this year than we have in any year previous. Um, so we were on a hiring spree, and uh, I don't see that letting up moving forward with all the growth. Um, it, you know, it's just a challenge because it's not many folks are coming out of these schools. Um, if it's med if it's you know physicians or if it's nurses or other clinicians, um, techs, uh, imaging techs, lab techs, all of those, there's just a, na a, na a nationwide shortage because we're just not producing enough from the schools. And if you look at it, some of it makes sense. There's a lot of other avenues to work. Um, there's a lot of different things for folks to go in, and there's just the pure what I would call the um, population demographics that come into play, where we're we're now taking care of a lot of the baby boomers, um, very large population, um, and we're taking care of them as they leave the workforce with populations that you know followed them that just um, didn't have as much size. Um, so it is a huge challenge, um, but uh, we have a lot of different plans in, uh, in place to sort of tackle that. Um, we have um, a lot of wellness committees for both our current staff um, of nurses, clinicians, and physicians. Um, to sort of keep all of them engaged in uh, healthcare, um, and we do a lot of activities for our uh, our, our uh, staff as well. And so, after going through COVID, your clinical team, you know, they had to do a, a massive amount of work and under more pressure than people who don't work in the healthcare space, space can realize. Where do you think are they are they beginning to catch their breath now, or are we still dealing with the the lingering effects of the COVID? I, I would say they were probably beginning to catch it before uh, we implemented our new EHR. That probably put them a couple <laughs> steps back. Um, but no, I think they're, I think everyone's starting to get somewhat back to the sense of normal. Um, you know, even the CDC with sort of changing their masking guidelines. Um, I think we're all starting to feel that we're getting closer to that sense of whatever normal is. We're getting back to that point. So I think that, you know, that is, that's, that's been advantageous for them all. For us all um as we sort of turn that chapter hopefully moving forward good well our time has evaporated and that's a good good place to end because really kevin we are i am still great remain grateful for your work for every person employed with your hospital system the doctors the nurses for sure but just everybody that kept things rolling um, at a difficult time. So I hope we don't forget our gratitude, even exactly. though, you know, yeah. things may return to normal. Um, you are not going to have a dull day anytime soon, that's for sure, with everything on your plate. We wish you the best, though, with all of that, and, and really appreciate you making time to come and talk with us about the changes underway in your market, how your healthcare system is responding, and hope you will come back and give us an update. Yep, anytime. Okay? Thank you. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. 
Matthew, I forgot Berkeley is your home county. Right. So right, it so. is just yeah. exploding. It's, they've got a beautiful facility there. It's getting ready to get expanded. So it's great. It's, you know, helped. And they're very loyal to the, the Roper brand, too, which is interesting that, that you know, that they have quickly attached to it in just these, you know, three years. Mm-hmm. Well, the first hospital you said in 40 years. Right, right. 40 years. Well, that would definitely make, a, yep. make an impact on me, that's for sure. For those of you joining us today, we hope you uh, learned a little something about Roper and the Low Country region of our state. We're always thankful for your engagement with our video podcast. If you have any ideas, be sure to send them our way. We love uh, viewer and listener feedback, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and video podcast. <laughs>